You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Today on the Illini Choir Podcast, let's preview a homecoming game for Illinois football that has a lot more at stake than we would have thought of going into last week because of Illinois' 27-24 upset at Maryland. Can Illinois sustain success with another big win over Wisconsin? A team they've beat two out of the last four years, including a 34-10 drubbing. Last season in Madison, the Illini's first win in 20 years up in Madison. And of course, that week, Paul Christ was fired. Jim Leonard becomes the interim head coach, but then Wisconsin makes one of the biggest splashes of the offseason and hires Luke Fickle. The Badgers are at 4-2, and 2-1 two, two and one in the Big Ten after a disappointing loss for them to Iowa, which happens to a lot of people. Disappointing losses where the offense doesn't look too good. 15-6 to six in that one as Iowa has a great path to a Big Ten West championship because that's what Iowa does. But Wisconsin, what do they look like so far? What has Luke Fickle's impact been in year one? We catch up with Nick Oson, who covers Wisconsin Badgers for Badger 24-7. And then Joey Wagner and I break down a six-pack of Illini questions. What gives us most confidence? What concerns us most going into this Wisconsin game? Who could break out next for the Illinois defense? And is that Illinois defense good? We talk about that, and we grade Luke Altmyer's season so far. So we're going to get you ready for a homecoming matchup for Illinois that if they win this, man, going 4-4 four and four into the bye week, going into recruiting week, going into a very winnable stretch of games to end the season for the final four games with a healthier squad, man, Illinois would have a path to a bowl game, a path to sustaining success that we talked about all season. Can they pull it off? We'll talk with Nick Osen and Joy Wagner coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode of the Illini Enquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash Illini and get on your way to being your best self. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Well, therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of working against yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and if you and that therapist don't mesh, you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. So make your brain your friend again, and give BetterHelp a try. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Illini today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Illini. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, it's time to get some insight into the Wisconsin Badgers from Nick Osen for 24-7 Sports, part of Badger 24-7. Nick, welcome in. Uh, appreciate you joining us for what is a big game this weekend for both teams. Yeah, Jeremy, I, I really appreciate it. And you know what? This game, it, it really can't be overstated, kind of the importance for both at this point, like you mentioned, obviously kind of some opposite weeks for these respective teams last week. Yeah, well, let's start with the, the broad picture here of Luke Fickle, uh, one of the biggest hires of the offseason, biggest names, going to a program that uh, you know has been the same way for 30-plus years, but it's been good for them for most of those 30 years. How has Luke Fickle left his stamp on this program in his, what, 10 months so far on the job? Yeah, so, you know, I'll start with on, I'm sorry, off the field. I think that Coach Luke Fickle and this staff have really kind of inserted some excitement, some juice into not only the fan base, but the recruiting trail. I mean, Wisconsin is on pace for their best class in a long time. They're at 24th, I believe, in the country right now, 21 hard commits, including you know, eight or nine, four stars, depending if you look at our rankings or composite. Really good job there. I think that they're really focused on, obviously, kind of raising the excitement, also fitting guys to their schemes. I'm sure, as we'll touch on later, uh, the schemes are a bit different now, too. On the field, you know, I kind of wrote about it a little bit, too. I, I think it's still early. I think there are some clear areas that have been really impressive, kind of like spotting out a weakness early and then seeing improvement just a week or two later. I know we both kind of talked about uh, defense outside of the show. I think that's been impressive. Obviously, Fickle had some incredible defensive talent uh, that he helped develop down at Cincinnati. You know, offensively, it's just been a little bit hard to tell because not only such a tough scheme to, or a new scheme to kind of adjust to, but, you know, some top players have really gotten hurt, which is, it's, it stinks for everybody, especially a team like Wisconsin that doesn't have necessarily a ton of playable depth at some of those key spots. But, you know, I was, I was a bit surprised by the hire in a positive way. Obviously, I, I grew up, you know, around Wisconsin. I went to school. So I didn't know that the, you know, kind of the program and the athletic department would make a hire like this, such a, a big splash. So I think he's going to end up being a terrific hire. I think he's been incredible in some of those things we've seen so far. And, you know, in others, it's early. I mean, they're, they're four and two. They're not, you know, two and four, one and five, that, that much struggling. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. For Wisconsin, I mean, they, they kind of felt one way, stuck to, to one kind of tree there, and everyone just assumed Jim Leonard would get the job. So to, so to go get Luke Fickle, I think it I think it sent a message that Wisconsin is going to try and go to another level. Of course, there's the risk of, hey, what has worked for all these years, we could go below that. But with a guy like Luke Fickle, it seems like they're on the right track already just based on recruiting and the talent base they're getting. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And, and, you know, I think it's really interesting because not only did people kind of expect Leonard, like you mentioned, but like it was out there by a lot of people that, you know, kind of usually uh, are, are pretty spot on. You know, I think many people, including around the program, as well as just nationally, kind of figured that. And of course, now there's kind of that added storyline a little bit with mm -hmm. Leonard this week. But I totally agree with you, Jeremy. I think, I mean, what he did fickle at the group of five level at the time essentially with Cincinnati to get that team to the playoff and you can't really watch you know necessarily a full game of a full day of NFL Sundays not seeing some talent that he helped develop obviously Sauce Gardner comes to mind but several DBs you know wideouts I know we're both Bears fans mm -hmm. obviously got Cincinnati connection there so I think that he's gonna end up eventually getting Wisconsin back into that perennial playoff contender type type talk 
obviously as that kind of opens up a little bit from four teams but you know right now I think it's going to be really important to finish this year strong and then get those guys that he has helped bring in you know really early and really quick yeah they're one challenge now of course Tanner Mordecai out uh what what details do you have on that um and what do you make of Braden Locke coming in as the starter now against Illinois yeah, so, you know, I mentioned depth or lack thereof. I think the QB room is strong overall, but it, it's so young, Jeremy, and I think that Mordecai was kind of this glue. You know, not only is he talented, obviously, I mean, you can see some of the numbers he put up at SMU, but he's just kind of that, that type of player, you know, that when things break down, he can either potentially make a play with his arms, but his legs have been just really impressive. I think of kind of third and fours, fourth and twos, plays like that, you've, you've really been able to trust him. Now, details, I'd say they've been consistent, but pretty sparse, uh, really, you know, out, out there as well as kind of behind the scenes. I don't think there is a clear-cut timetable. Now, he broke his hand. Uh, it isn't clear exactly what part, but I think it's just, you know, kind of a general freak break. He was throwing the ball and hit the helmet of an Iowa defender. Uh, so he's got a pin in there. And knowing him and how much you know he really cares about uh, this game and obviously playing for the Badgers in his last year of eligibility, I wouldn't be shocked just how aggressively he'll be kind of hitting this recovery. But something like that, you can't really rush it. You know, it's not like some other body parts you can just play through pain at times. Like he couldn't grip the football at the end. That I know is fact uh, with my own eyes and ears as well. So that's something really difficult. Braden Locke. We actually got to speak with him yesterday at, at media. I will say he is a very impressive kid. You know, he's young. The second year college football first uh, here in Wisconsin. Texas kid, played some big time uh, high school football. A little bit shorter than Mordecai. Uh, not as fast, but does possess some athleticism. And I think where he's really impressed kind of his teammates and his coaching staff, without even really being asked about work ethic, Coach Fickle and I think two or three players that I was around just talked about how hardworking Braden is. I think that he spends kind of copious amounts at the football facility. He, I get the sense he's just kind of the kid, you know, take care of what he needs to for school and it's locking in on film, you know, prepping for the next week. I was really impressed by how he kind of handled himself. Uh, Skills-wise, you know, he's got pretty good pocket feel, good pocket awareness, can move around a little bit and is accurate. I'll be curious to see, obviously, Illinois has got a, a really good defensive line headlined you know, by a future pro there in Newton. But I think that he's you know, about as good of a backup as you could have right now. And it'll just be interesting to see without the experience of Mordecai going on the future with the lock. So, Phil Longo, so much has been made of this air raid offense. And it certainly looks different. The way they operate is different. How, Nick? And, and uh, what, what, are the, what are they effective at? Because Braylon Allen still seems to be having a pretty good year. Yeah, definitely, Jeremy. So, you know, you're somebody I, I know you well enough. You know what Wisconsin has done for 15, 20, 30 years. I mean, it's it was called RBU for at least the last 10, 15 years for a reason. I mean, several of the top backs really kind of running back oriented. But you mentioned an interesting point. Braylon Allen has still been good, really good at times. I, I think of the Rutgers game. This last game, he was still pretty good. I mean, he, he was averaging... I think close to, to six in several games, not necessarily uh, season long, but you know he's been great. I think what is much different about this Phil Longo offense, you just look at kind of the formation. Typically, 
you know, three, sometimes four wide outs. It depends if they're kind of using the inline tight end or not, or if they're flexing him out. But it's just more pass oriented. I, I think when it's going in tempo, the air raid can be fantastic. I, I think of the first half against Purdue, and that second half is kind of when injuries started to fall. But first half, I mean, that was humming. That looked like a team that was going to end up potentially eleven and or ten and two. You know, maybe with the lost Ohio State. But and I would run mention the West. I, I would mention Purdue's defense is the same kind of scheme as Illinois. So it's it's a very interesting kind of watching that, and then we'll see what that happens in this game. Yep, exactly. And, and, you know, so I think that is kind of when it's playing with tempo, when it's not forcing things, I think the offense can be phenomenal. And because it's so spread out, obviously Braylon Allen's known as kind of a power back, but he still possesses speed, cutback ability. He had a fantastic run in that Purdue game, I remember. So I think just kind of how it looks and the basis of how it operates, I actually think it's a pretty natural fit for Braden Locke. I think that it made a lot of sense uh, for him to come here from Mississippi State as a transfer. Yeah. And there are a couple really good weapons on the outside, too. I know coming into this season, uh, Chimray DK is kind of the, the veteran wideout in the room. Talks of pro potential there. You got C.J. Williams from USC. Obviously, anytime you're getting kind of a skill guy from USC, he's got to be pretty good. And then Will Pauling didn't have a lot of talk about him coming into the year. A Cincy transfer that followed Coach Fickle uh, about a month or so after that higher month and a half. And he's kind of been Mr. Dependable, as they say. You know, he lines up a lot in the slot, but possesses kind of some of that, that speed and, you know, maybe twitch on the outside to be able to make plays as well. Those guys are going to be very important against an Illinois defense. Like you mentioned, a lot of similarities with the Boilermakers. Last year – the Illinois win over Wisconsin was so striking, Nick, because Illinois just dominated in the trenches. And that is not very Wisconsin-like. The offensive line seems to have taken a step forward this season. What have you seen up front from them? Yeah, I, I completely agree. So, you know, in my time on the beat, I'd say it's been 80 85% positive with the offensive line. It's not going to be perfect, but I think just the cohesiveness of that unit has really improved. I think of I'd say the first half against Iowa and then really the majority of the second half because Iowa, like Illinois, generally a team with some NFL potential up front. And, you know, that's an aggressive team. They kept both Mordecai and Locke, uh, you know, pretty clean, as they say. I think there was one play, maybe it was well covered, maybe Locke held onto it too long, but, you know, Iowa was, was able to get to him in the second half. But overall, Jack Nelson's definitely a name to know. Uh, we spoke with him yesterday. He's been on a lot of draft boards, specifically coming into this season. Tanner Bordellini, you know, center. Uh, he's been really good blocking-wise. At times, there's kind of been an adjustment with, like, his snaps, but he's been good. And then Riley Malman, a, a guy that not a lot of people really talked about, but Coach Fickle last week actually called him maybe the most consistent. And I get that sense, too. You know, he doesn't kind of have the – the notoriety maybe as like a Nelson on NFL draft boards all the time, but you don't hear his name a lot. Not a lot of penalties, not a lot of sacks allowed. And I think that's what most what's most important. It's got the size that you've kind of become used to for a Wisconsin O-line. And I think pass pro, still kind of room to grow a little bit. Running game, it's shown to be really effective here in the last three games or so. Yeah. All right, defensively, Jim Leonard, as you said, now an analyst for Illinois, had great defenses there. 
at Wisconsin. But uh, this is where I've been most impressed with Wisconsin, just watching a, a few of their games is what Mike Tressel and, and Luke Fickle are doing with that defense, uh, which since that Washington State disappointment, giving up 31 points there, and Washington State ended up being pretty good uh, with Cam yeah. Ward at quarterback, but they've allowed for 15 points a game. Um, so w- what is working so well, and what do they do on defense? Yeah, you know, we, you and I obviously talked a little bit before this about the Wisconsin defense, and they have been honestly close to phenomenal uh, since the game you referred to. I, I think that there was this worry early, and rightfully so. You know, they were getting gashed in the run at times, or the pass, like you mentioned, the Washington State game. Not a lot of turnovers, but the last three and a half games, it's certainly been the strength of the team. I think that what they're doing so well is they're playing in kind of the the three three five or two four five. I, I mentioned in our write up Iowa State that was my previous beat up until a couple months ago, and it's kind of this new hybrid scheme where it puts a lot of emphasis on some of the DBs. Obviously, you got to play the pass game, but also you know come up come up physical and be ready if you need to diagnose and play up in the run. And I think that fans were getting a little impatient early, but now they're seeing Trestle and the staff have really done a great job. And I think what it does so well is you're you're certainly not comfortable passing generally, right? Because there are more DBs, but also with the talent that they have, I think of Ricardo Holman or Hunter Wool, or I'm sure a lot of Big Ten fans know. You've got guys that are quick and not afraid to hit up in the run game as well. And a couple names, you know, I just mentioned uh, Hallman, actually a CBS Sports midseason All-American. I think he's got four picks on the year, including a 95-yard pick six. A Hunter Wohler, if he decides to leave after this year, he'll be a draft pick, probably a mid to late day two guy, uh, but certainly probably by, you know, round three. I think he's just that prototypical ball hawk that can hit. Uh, Jake Cheney is a name that you know I'm not sure as many people were familiar with coming into the year. He's kind of got the speed and twitch of like a, an outside linebacker, but he plays a lot of inside. You know, we spoke with him again this week, just really well built, a good young leader on this team. I think those are some of your key names to know. I'd mentioned James Thompson Jr. along the defensive line as well. Got a, a little bit uh, dinged up at times in the Iowa game, but you know what Tressel and this staff have done. And not only reshaping the scheme, Jeremy, but just how it looked in three weeks going from, they'd say the easier, you know, fans would say the easier part of the schedule to then moving into conference play. I think it's been really impressive. And it's why I think Altmeyer and, and the Illinois standouts are going to have a hard time at times in this one. Yeah, the thing that sticks out to me, Nick, is you know they have you know four or five guys at the line of scrimmage, sometimes six, and they can drop anybody. Uh, they they yeah. seem to be willing to drop anybody. So, you know, diagnosing that, picking up blitzes, and, and Luke Altmaier not being skittish with that, I, I think that's going to be key because they can look confusing uh, up front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you know, I know that this is a big year for Altmaier. Obviously, kind of his his first run in the show uh, after their talented departures in the last couple seasons. To the pro route. So I, I completely agree. I think it's something that, you know, Trestle and the staff have gotten really creative. I think well-timed uh, blitzes or just how they line up, like you mentioned, and then drop them back a little bit. I think that was something that made things difficult on Deacon Hill. I, I understand Iowa didn't need to pass a ton. You know, they don't need to to win a lot of their games, but that was something I, I thought was really smart. I know a lot of the, the fans on my boards picked up, picked up on it. I think against you know, maybe most teams that do need to pass a lot, 
uh, that that would have led to a victory. Obviously, there was just one big play that kind of hurt things for the Badgers. And I'm really intrigued this week, my friend, to see how this kind of goes because the limited times I've seen Illinois, but certainly studying up this week, they seem to have a pretty good balance. I really like their young tailbacks. Mm -hmm. And then obviously Williams is a stud on the outside. So it'll be intriguing to see how they kind of follow a script and how the Badgers defense makes things tough. Yeah, because Illinois can, can make big plays. It's just about the consistency of the offensive line in, in Altmaier. So I'm interested to see that. Well, this is a big game for Illinois, Nick. Just to, if they get to 4-4 four and four going into the bye week after starting 2-4 and four with North, Northwestern still on the schedule, hmm. with Indiana still on the schedule, Iowa, if you can score 15, 16 points, you got a chance to beat them. Yeah. Um, so th- there's some opportunities in front of Illinois to potentially make a bowl game. So this one's huge, a uh, homecoming game for them. What's this game mean for Wisconsin? Yeah, so if if we would have done this podcast earlier in the week, I still certainly would have said it's a big-time game, right? I mean, every game in this conference is important, first and foremost. Additionally, Badgers are coming off of a loss. There are still high aspirations, and I think there should be. Again, it's not like they're 1-5 or 2-4 and four and the, the world is ending like people kind of reacted. They're 4-2, and two, you know, should have scored more, but lost a pretty good team in Iowa, uh, like you just referred to. But now speaking with some of the players, I I think of, I believe it was Jake Chaney, certainly Jack Nelson, uh, Braylon Allen talking about some motivation. For some of these veterans, I'd just say last year's loss is really sticking with them. Obviously, there's kind of the always wanting to avenge a previous loss. But, I mean, we know what happened following uh, that loss. You know, there was the major shakeup within the coaching staff. And, you know, players keep relationships and they, they take that kind of stuff to heart. So I'd say big-time game on those three or four levels. I think that it's important. Obviously, I I certainly think the Badgers are still going to get to a bowl, but like you mentioned, you know, Big Ten West, Illinois trying to get back into bowl contention again after a great year last year. So I think it's, again, it's going to be, you know, a highly physical, competitive game, and and I'm grateful we got a nice afternoon slate, you know, not maybe that 11 o'clock. I'll be there in person, and and quite honestly, I'll say this. You didn't ask for a prediction quite yet, but just in terms of what would shock me, yeah. the only thing that would surprise me is if this game is won by more than eight or nine points. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be played really within a score throughout. So knowing that, I, I think it's going to be a close game too. Um, if Illinois, in fact, turned the corner last week at Maryland, we'll see. But what, what do you think are the keys to Wisconsin picking up a road win? Yeah, so you mentioned – you know, the consistency or sometimes lack thereof for Illinois' offense. So I think Wisconsin's defense has to get in their heads a little bit, make things tough on Altmaier. Uh, For the most part, take away Williams on the outside. I was really impressed with his numbers, you know, kind of studying up for this game. But we just talked about how good the defense has been for Wisconsin. I think it more so comes down to the offense. And I'll give you two top keys, protecting Braden Locke, because again, you know, he's got a little, he's got great footwork. He's got a little bit of speed to him, but he's not Tanner Mordecai with experience or just being able to move uh, like Tanner has shown. So I'd say taking good care and kind of protecting that. And then to me, a little bit more of a, you know, kind of relying on and trusting uh, Braylon Allen. Mm-hmm. I think that he has just shown, you know, even when he gets dinged up a little bit here and there, like he is locked in he's physically ready and he can really change a football game almost by himself so I think it's going to be tough especially against the front that Illinois has but got to get get the ball into some of those players hands and certainly keep it close till the fourth quarter 
Nick, before I let you go, of course, Illinois basketball fans gearing up for, for basketball season. They love their hoops around here. And Wisconsin, uh, I had as a top five team in the Big Ten when I sent my poll in. So what, what are expectations up there? What do you think about this team? Yeah, and you know what? I'm like those Illinois fans. I love hoops as well. So hopefully we can do one uh, during the season. I did too. You know, I, I had the Badgers, uh, I think, fourth, maybe third, right next to Illinois. I'm high on both these teams. I thought that Illinois did great in the portal. I think Wisconsin, their one real addition, actually an Illinois native, A.J. Store, St. John's transfer, is going to be awesome. They brought back everybody. And, you know, we've been fortunate to be at a couple open practices. There was just a scrimmage uh, this last weekend. It's a really legitimate team, Jeremy. I think it's certainly NCAA tournament or bust for both these teams. But I expect them both to get into the round of 32. And I think if things click, stay healthy. You know, I think of Shannon and Hawkins for the Illini. I think really of guys like Hepburn, Storr, Wall, and, and Stephen Kroll, just to name a few. Sweet 16 potential is what I would say for this Wisconsin team. Yeah, Connor Siegen, I think, can take a leap, too. He, he was pretty yeah. good at the end of last year. Well, well Nick Oson, a great insight into Wisconsin, man. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you Saturday at Memorial Stadium for a big one, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Are you looking for unique and comfortable Illini gear? Well, Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel based in Indianapolis that emphasizes their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from, including, of course, the University of Illinois. So go check out homefieldapparel.com because their designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. I'm scrolling at homefieldapparel.com right now with their Illini gear, and they have 1989 Fighting Illini basketball long sleeve. They got the Flying Illini logo. The script, Illinois. You can get the pants, the joggers, that 1970s script, or a nice hoodie. They got the 80s Illini football helmet, the 2004-05 Illinois basketball logo on a vintage crew neck, the ringer retro tee, the orange ringer tee with Fighting Illini basketball on it. Go check these guys out. Because not only is the design fantastic, but these shirts, guys, are incredibly comfortable. Homefield is all about authenticity and nostalgia. So give their side a look. It's not the typical Illinois gear you see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com, where you can see their selection of colleges available, of course, including Illinois. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with discount code ALINI23. Again, 15% off at homefieldapparel.com with discount code ALINI23. Whether you're looking for Illinois football gear for this season or Illini basketball gear for the coming season, check out at homefieldapparel.com. I'm very excited to announce our new partnership with Underdog Fantasy. We decided to partner with Underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Underdog Fantasy has a lot to offer, including their Pick'em game. In Pick'em, you pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. It's so easy to play. Just pick two to five stats of your favorite players and choose whether they'll go higher or lower. You can 20 times your money by going five for five. They also have a best ball mania. If you think you know football, you got to check this one out. This year's best ball mania has 15 million in total prizes up for grabs, with the winner taking home 3 million. So sign up today with promo code OLINI and get your first deposit doubled up to $500. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. 
And don't forget to register with my promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $500. That's a new deal. It was previously $100. Now it's $500. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right, let's talk the Illinois side of this Illinois-Wisconsin matchup. It's Joey Wagner, fresh off a 12-mile walk in Washington, D.C. How are you doing, Joey? Terrible. That walk was a lot. I'm still not recovered. I think my foot's broken. I can feel it creaking now. I'm not built for this, Jeremy Warner. You will never tour Washington, D.C. with me again, huh? Every time we passed a bike or a scooter, I thought, man, that'd be a, let's hop on that thing. I'd take us where we need to go. And we did not. It was a really great tour. It was a good trip. Thanks to the guys who yeah. showed us around there. And it was an enjoyable trip, man. It's fun. Yeah, being inside the Capitol, man, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, the rotunda was awesome. We got to be on the speaker floor. Uh, not while all the action was happening, sadly. But uh, we did get to see it. That was, that was really cool. So shout out to all those guys that, that gave us the tour. Huge Illini fans. Um, so shout out to those guys. That was awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right. Well, we got a big Illinois-Wisconsin game this weekend. Is uh, The more important thing that happened near Washington, D.C. was Illinois got its first Big Ten win at Maryland, Joey. And we'll see if they can sustain that. That is sustaining is, is kind of the word around this season. And, and obviously they have not done that yet uh, following up last year. But now they open up a path. Uh, but I feel like, as I wrote in the preview and picks, this Wisconsin game is huge just to show that, hey, that Maryland wasn't a one-off, that it wasn't an outlier. So we have our six-pack of questions here, Joey. But now I think it's up to Illinois. We talked about – I always talk about, hey, prove it, that you are the team you expect to be. I think this week, just big picture, is about proving that last week was not an outlier. Yeah, they've got to string it together. I thought they did some things that weren't particularly difficult to replicate. They've shown it to be difficult to replicate, but we, we've seen this team in the past under Brett Bielema do some of the things that contributed to winning and things that we think are just staples of what this program wants to be, but they've got to put it together because right now Maryland's the outlier game. And I wrote it in our uh, preview on picks two weeks ago. This is an easy loss to Illinois or to Wisconsin. And they go into the bye week and you think, Oh boy, what it's going to make of these next four games. And they go and they win at Maryland and Tanner Mordecai's hurt and he's out. And suddenly this becomes a really difficult game to pick. And I'm excited to talk about it because I, I don't know. I mean, it, it is a very tough game. Yeah. Cause if you had told me before the season, Joey, they go in the off week four and four with back-to-back wins over Maryland and Wisconsin, like I would have said, wait, what happened in those first six games? <laughs> but you'd sit there and go, okay, four and four. That's not ridiculous of where I would have thought they would be. But you'd have something to sell in the recruiting trail. Like if you go in three and five, or you know, if they would have gone in two and six, you're thinking, where's this program going? If you go four and four, okay, you're right in the ship, and you got a chance to get to a, uh, you know, a bowl game. But also, you just have something to sell on the recruiting trail, whether it's to JUCOs or whether it's to flip guys. And, and we'll dive into all that next week. But you just feel a lot differently off a of back-to-back win. So let's get into our six-pack of questions here. Number one, I'm starting on the defensive side of the ball. 
And my my question is, Joey, is this Illinois defense good now? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're not twenty two good, and that's elite. Probably not very. Cl- that's yeah, they're, they're not, Underwood. Okay, that's oh boy, it's basketball <laughs> season, Jeremy Warner. You're you're in full mode. Uh, but yeah, they're a good defense, and I think we've seen signs of the defense being good for the better part of about a month. Uh, the offense, the special teams, some coaching decisions haven't, in terms of uh, field position, haven't really set them up to have that bear out totally uh, in the stat sheets. Some of the yardage has, but the points certainly haven't. Uh, they're not getting the turnovers, but I think you're starting to see Aaron Henry come into his own mm-hmm. as a play caller. And by that, I mean he's just getting comfortable with his personnel. And yeah. you're starting to see a little bit of that come through and shine through. And your guys, your guys are playing better. First and second down, I asked Aaron Henry about this. And like, those are huge because it sets the last two weeks that has set Nebraska and it set Maryland up into long third downs or longer third downs than we had seen in Illinois getting off the field. I think it's – is it good? I think – think but it's definitely improving over the course of the last five games yeah so i got some stats for you joey i, I did a i did a little bit of research before. someone had to prepare for this I, I, scri- I scribbled down some notes last five games illinois is allowing 3.7 yards per carry per rush okay that's about if you did that over an entire season that'd be 52nd nationally that's solid that, that's pretty good uh the passing defense over the last five games, 6.44 yards per attempt. Over an entire season, that would be ranked 27th right now. So I think this is a an above-average to good defense the last five games since Kansas, because Kansas obviously was a disaster. Last four games, six takeaways. I'll take 1.5 takeaways per game. That'll probably be a good thing. Four of the last five games, 5.2 yards per play or less. Uh, Purdue was the outlier there where he averaged about 6.2 Three of the last four games, your third down conversion rate, 35.3% or lower. All of those games, uh, besides Purdue, you're doing pretty well. Purdue, 8 of 13, was a huge issue for this team. Last two games, very small sample size, but just talking about how this is changing. You've allowed just two first downs on penalties. So things are turning in the right direction. I think this is and, a, and none of those came on third down, I might add, which correct. was something that bit this team really badly in the first six games. So five games. that is improvement, and I think this is a solid to good defense. I think this is a bull-worthy defense right now. Doesn't mean it's great. Doesn't mean it can carry you. But I think this defense since Kansas, I mean, think of that Penn State game. They were good enough to win against Penn State. Purdue second half, they certainly were not. First half, I thought they were good enough. Uh, But they've been put in bad situations. But I agree with you. I think Aaron Henry is starting to know what his defense is capable of and is playing to their strengths. And they are giving Illinois a chance to win games, which is what you want. That that is what you want, uh, is they are giving themselves a chance to win games the last five games for the most part. So I do think this defense is above average too good i think they're good enough to make a bowl game i this defense the last five games is about what i expected them to be preseason maybe with the exception of the pass rush getting home and getting sacks of course maryland was a step in that right direction too yeah that's the missing element right now still right is getting back and getting that quarterback down to the ground you saw seth coleman had a breakout game we will get to that momentarily jeremy i think it's the next question uh but i i think and I've said this on here. I thought, especially against Toledo, and then a little bit, Aaron Henry overthought it with the quarterbacks at times in terms of just not wanting them to beat you on the ground. But I, I think you've seen him. I know you've seen him dial up more pressures in the last couple of weeks. 
And I think that coincides with seeing James Cruz, Kanena Odaluga, Dylan Rosiak. Those guys have been pretty good in pressure. And you're starting to see some of those outside backers get back there. You, you want to see them bring them down. That, that's what we thought the next step for this outside linebacker group was, was to bring those guys down. But he's, I, I just feel like he's starting to know, like, okay, you know, the back end maybe is earning some trust and he's able to let some of those guys up front loose a little bit more. You want to see that carry over, especially against a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first road start. Hello, Drew Aller. We talked about that a lot going into Penn State. Uh, but he's he's settling into it, I think. And those guys are settling. It, it's a new voice, right? Like it, it's Aaron Henry's voice in the building isn't new, but his voice in this role was new. I think everybody just had to, to get on the same footing. It's still not a completed picture. Like we, I don't want to paint that as to be the case, but I think just everyone is kind of starting to to settle down a little bit. The offense is putting them in better positions, and you're seeing, and especially in the last two games, you're seeing that play out. Yeah, and you're seeing, as you said, personnel get better with more experience. The linebackers are obviously a huge part of that. Dylan Rosiak, as I wrote about, the last three games has been phenomenal. Kanena Odaluga has been really good. Uh, but even Purdue, they were kind of up and down. First half great, second half not so great. But the, the last two games, they have been really, really good. Uh, so that, that's been a, a huge key for them as well. Has Dylan Rosiak been the second-best defensive player over the last month? Yes. Over the last month, for sure. I mean, Keith Randolph being injured has been part of that. Seth Coleman certainly had one good game, but Dylan Rosiak's done it more consistently. Uh, I think, you know, there's guys in the secondary that have been pretty decent. Like, I th- I think Xavier Scott, Scott has been really good. I think Taz Nicholson, when he doesn't commit penalties, has been really good. Um, so, I-, I think those guys have been good. But Dylan Rosiak certainly has been the most impactful playmaker um, outside of Seth Coleman's one game during the last month of the season outside of Johnny Newton, for sure. That's a step because early on in the season, we talked on this podcast a lot about linebacker play and they were getting attacked by opposing offenses. And I think that's a big credit to Dylan Rosiak, to Keneno, to Luga, to James Crutes recently. We know Tariq Barnes has been out to just settling into their new roles and they're playing, especially Rosiak is playing really, really well. All right, number two, Seth Coleman broke out last game. Who does the Illini defense need to break out next, Joey? Did you want to stay in the outside linebacker room and go with Gabe Ackes? I mean, I think Keith Randolph, but it feels weird saying breakout for him, especially if we don't know his availability. We'll talk to Brett Bielma here in about an hour. Um, I think Gabe Ackes, because Gabe Ackes was a guy, much like Seth Coleman, who could have taken this defense, especially as the back end was, was younger and inexperienced, I think is probably the better way to put it. Uh, he was a guy that you thought was going to be able to contribute to some heavy pressure up front. We have not seen that bear out this year. Uh, so I think you got to stay in the room, right? Unless you got someone else. No, you're right. And I, I asked Charlie Bowen about him this week because Brett Bielma had mentioned Gabe has, has been you know a little frustrated with his lack of production, as I know some Illinois fans are as well. And he said where he's at right now with his sacks and production, he wants more than what he's had at this point. There's been a little frustration. This is Bowen talking about Akis. But nothing out of the ordinary or nothing more than normal frustration within the course of the season. But just like Seth, the work ethic hasn't changed. The dedication hasn't changed. He's been plugging along, working hard, and continuing to put the time in it. At some point when his opportunities show up and he can take advantage of them, it'll all pay off. I envision it will be a moment or moments like Seth had the other day. So I don't know if Charlie's calling his shot, but I think with Gabe Ackes that sometimes, Joey, I think he's been going for the home run play a little bit too much. Like I feel like he's you know, selling out on a quarterback or a running back trying to make that big splash play 
when just be consistent and your moment will come and when it's there just make the play I think that's what Charlie Bowen is getting to of what Seth Coleman it kind of did so yes they need more production out of him but it might be just hey don't need to go for the splash but just do your job and eventually that with Johnny Newton getting double teams and triple teams It'll come to you, and when those moments come, just take advantage of them like Seth Coleman did. So I don't think he needs to press too much for that sack or for those tackles for a loss. I think it's just doing your job and being there for when those moments come because, let's be honest, Seth Coleman twice, the play kind of just came to him, Um, and I think he took advantage of those moments. So I think that's what Gabe Axe needs to do. The other guy I would say, I think he's been really good in run support here recently, but I they need some plays. They need some downfield plays out of their free safety, and that would be Miles Scott. I think he's been really solid in his responsibilities, Joey, but they could use a few more big plays. But teams just haven't been testing them all that much down the field. We saw it a few times in man coverage with Tyler Strain making some plays, but um, if Illinois can just get some funneled plays, some funneled throws in the middle of the field, I think Miles Scott, you need him to take advantage of those. Yeah, I do want to add one more thing about Gabe Ackes, and I think you, you've seen maybe that do your job come to pass a little bit more with, with the way the rotation's gone, with more Alec Bryant, with more Ezekiel Holmes, guys who seem very – are they as splashy or as flashy as a Seth Coleman or a Gabe Ackes? No, but it seems like they've been very consistent in their responsibilities, and, and I think maybe, maybe that's – I don't know that to be the case, but maybe that's a challenge to Gabe Ackes, to be more consistent in the, the not – go knock a quarterback into the second row responsibilities uh yeah I, I think miles scott to to further that point jeremy that big pick six against toledo and then in terms of the takeaways a position that is kind of built for takeaways those have not really shown up uh, since that game uh xavier scott's had a couple i thought again he's been really really good uh but yeah this is a game that you need to get a quarterback under pressure, a young quarterback under pressure, and make him make mistakes. And I think if – is this going to be our pick to click? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think Miles Scott would, would be a guy to benefit from some of those throws and, and see if he can capitalize on that like Kirby Joseph did – I'm sorry, like Kendall Smith did a year ago at Madison, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I think part of this is the uh, quarterbacks are testing the second cornerback for Illinois. Uh, more often they're they're going there that's got to be a more stable position to be honest with you jeremy that's we saw tyler strain have some nice moments but the reality of it was he was benched for a true freshman going into that game that that second corner spot has got to be more consistent because teams are attacking that yeah so teams are attacking zach toby when he's on the field they're attacking obviously tyson rooks and it worked for maryland uh but they're also they attacked tyler strain and strain played better last week so that, that was a huge improvement but he had not played all that great in the previous week so I think they're testing more of that second corner so that's maybe why Miles Scott isn't getting more opportunities in the middle of the field but uh, I do want to mention with those safeties the tight ends have not hurt Illinois quite as much this year so kudos to Nicario Harper Miles Scott uh, and some of those linebackers for that number three how would you grade Luke Altmyer's season so far Joey that's a good question C plus. That's what I have. I have C plus. I think it's a C plus. I think you've seen flash. And here's, can we just really quickly? We talked to Luke Altmaier on Tuesday. Hadn't really talked to him for a little bit before that. He he knows. Like this isn't the case of a quarterback going up. They're like, what are you guys talking about? Look, I'm doing this or that. Yeah. Like he knows. He he knows where his faults are, and it's he's protected the football much better since that Penn State meltdown. He's. But he's, he's had the fumble, right? He had the strip sack at Purdue. It was I a killer. Next... It was a killer. Like the, the Purdue game, Brutal. Th- those turnovers cost you a victory. 
or a chance at a victory, right? Uh, I don't know if they would have won, but a chance at a victory. Uh, and then that Purdue just flipped the game. When you get a sack fumble, you score points on your first drive, you get a quick three and out, I believe, or you got a quick punt, at least from Purdue. don't remember if it was three and out, but it wasn't a long drive. And then you have that strip sack, and all of a sudden the, he, the Purdue's got the lead and they never gave it up, or I guess they gave it up once. But um, just that completely changed the game, and the offense just kind of went into a shell after that, like – those are the plays you can't have. But to your point, Joey, he's done really good things. Like, he has ignited the vertical passing attack for Illinois. Illinois is number three in the Big Ten in passing yards per game. That's a fun fact. I don't know if people would think that, but they are number three right now in passing yards per game in the Big Ten. They're fourth in pass yards per attempt. Uh, they're sixth in passing touchdowns, and that number should be higher. If Luke Altmeyer was a little bit better in the red zone here, Altmeyer's fifth in the Big Ten in passing efficiency. Number one in the Big Ten West. Higher than Tanner Mordecai, higher than Hudson Card. So you can make an argument. He has been as flashy of a playmaker as any of the transfer quarterbacks that have come into the Big Ten West here. The problem is the turnovers. He's number one in interceptions with nine. I would argue two of those aren't on him, but the rest of them are. That's a lot of interceptions. And then the the ball security with the fumbles. Um, And he's been sacked more times than any Big Ten quarterback. A lot of that is on his offensive line. Not all of it is. Some of it is on Luke Altmaier. And then we'll tell you that. Yeah, and he'll he'll tell you that. Like sometimes he's trying to escape the pocket too early, and it leads to sacks because a a linebacker is spying him. Other times he's just holding onto the ball too long. So those are the things, the growing pains that it's now start eight of the season for him. He's got to be better in those things. He's got to be good against Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's defense makes me nervous because they they disguise their blitzes, but they kind of run you know, six men on the line of scrimmage. Guys will drop back, and it concerns me about the offensive line, but it also concerns me with Luke Altmaier being able to read it, but also just keeping his eyes downfield, not peeking at the rush, uh, and you know, kind of being poised uh, against a pass rush. So those are things that concern me. But – there's been highs and lows. It's just about steadying those out, Joey, and, and just consistently giving Illinois a chance on these drives. Yeah, a lot of this is what we thought Luke Altmaier was going to give Illinois when he committed and he got here without a lot of experience. But I feel like a broken record. Tommy DeVito had so many snaps and so many passes under his belt when he got here, which is why he was able just to hit the ground and go. Like, there was never that moment for Tommy DeVito. It was boom, boom, and then... He's leading this in different ways than Luke Altmaier, right? He wasn't throwing downfield like that. But we knew a young quarterback without the snaps, without the reps, without the games was going to have this. I think if you take Penn State out of it, I might go up to a to a B minus or a B, right? B, like Penn probably, State yeah. Penn State was a really kind of a, oh, boy, is this going to take longer than, than what we thought it was going to take with Luke Altmaier moment? And to his credit, he's rebounded from that. But that was a brutal game because it was kind of right there for Illinois if not for those turnovers but I do think we have to remember Purdue it wasn't a great performance by him Uh, also with Penn State Manny Diaz is a stud and he made life just a nightmare on that offense and then Nebraska wasn't a very good performance by him like when when the offense just got into its rut it kind of reminded me a little bit of the the Brandon Peters can this guy lift a team out uh, of these struggles uh, and then he has good moments in, in some of those games with those downfield throws, but it's just got to be more consistent. Maryland certainly was a, was a big bounce back, not perfect by Luke Altmaier. I thought he missed some singles, but he's just got to be more consistently not burying Illinois with some of the decision-making. Uh, but some of that is on the offensive line. Some of that is on the play calling. 
But Luke lack of a running game too. Yeah, right. He needs a better Death running game for the defense. There's a lot. This sounds like excuses. Sorry to cut you off, but like there are a lot. There's a lot of nuance in yes. discussing his game because the offensive line's underperformed. The running backs have been hurt by injury, and the line hasn't really helped get them running. That the defense helped contribute to early deficits that set into obvious pass rush situations or passing situations that Illinois is not built for. So, yes, Luke Altmeyer has to be better, but there's a lot of other factors that go into that. Uh, but, I mean, look, at the end of the day, you're right. Like, he's got to make some of those singles. He's got to get the ball out faster. That's that's obvious. But it, yeah. it is worth at least mentioning some of the other elements there. Here would be my nut graph to, for a journalism term, Joey, on, on Luke Altmeyer. He has hurt you at times, but he has shown me plenty that he is my guy for the next two seasons after this. Like, I, there is, there's a lot there that you can work with as long as he improves in those decision-making realms. Like, okay, if we're having the same conversation next year, then it's like, okay, we, we might need an upgrade here, but he's shown me enough talent, enough poise, enough clutch gene late in these games that I think this guy can be pretty good. Uh, it's just he's going through the growing pains that we kind of predicted. It's just the other things, the offensive line, the running game, have not been as good as we thought to kind of make up for those things. Yeah, I think the growing pains, like if this were 21 and Luke Allmeyer was your quarterback and it's Brett Bielema's first year and nothing had been established, you'd say, all right, well. But then I, I just think the expectations were a little higher, the microscopes a little bit more because you wanted a quarterback to come in and not have those. Like that's the perfect world is a quarterback doesn't have growing pains. But I do think long-term 2024, 2025, he'll still be your quarterback, presumably. Um, like this this season, this, the flashes he's shown, you, you want to see him continue to build on that as he continues with Barry Lonnie and, and some of the wide receivers there. And I think that's what this last five games is all about. Take that next step. Can he take that next step to where we're talking about, hey, last six games, it was a BB plus for Luke Altmaier, and he helped lead you to a bowl game. All right, number Dude, four. It, was, it almost reminds me, remember Brandon Peters after the Red Box Bowl? It's yeah. like, this guy, this guy, like, if you get that same tone, you want the next season to be a little differently, or go a little differently, obviously. But if you get that same tone, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't, like, to have a quarterback go from season to season. Like, Illinois has not had that a lot in recent memory, Jeremy. is starting quarterbacks that, like, legitimately had belief. I think that's a big thing. We'll see if that ends up at a bowl game press conference or if that ends up at post-Northwestern press conference. But I think that's really important. Yeah, and the, the Brandon Peters thing was, one, keep him healthy. Number two, get the weapons and the offensive coordinator around him. Like, he did not have those things, but Brandon also uh, caused himself some issues as well. Number four, if Reggie Love is cleared to play and healthy, and we'll get an update from Brett Bielma here uh, probably by the time we post this, how would you split up the running back workload after what Caden Fagan and, and Aiden Lawfrey to a lesser extent showed you at Maryland? It's like 50 50 cheating. Is that, is that yes. bad podcasting yes. just to say cheating? I had 60, um, 35, 15. That's what I had. Because I don't know if Reggie Love will be fully healthy. But Caden Fagan, I think, deserves 60% of that load as long as he is, you know, as productive as he was last week and the offensive line was. But I think Reggie Love is really important for this team. I, I just think he's a really good all-around back. I think he's best in a number two role, and that's no shot at him because I think he can make plays and I think he can help keep Caden Fagan fresh. But I think that's what I was kind of thinking coming into the season – was Josh McCray would be that 55-60 guy, the the bell cow who kind of carries the ball 200 times, gets you 1,000 yards, you know, wears teams down at the end of games, while Reggie Love is just that do-everything kind of well, uh, you know, back that really helps you on third downs, helps you in the passing game, and, and maybe can be more explosive. And then Aiden Lawfrey kind of gets in the mix. I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more, 
you know, to to the I said 60, 35, 15. That adds up to 100. I, wa- I wasn't going to be the one. I'm not so maybe, maybe, ma- maybe 55, 35, 10. <laughs> math. We're not, we're journalism majors, not math majors. Um, but I'd like to see Aiden Lawfer used in some kind of how he was at the end of the game, getting him out on the edge, uh, some zone, outside zone reads, things like that. I'd like to get him more involved there. But yes, somewhere in there. Caden Fagan gets the bulk, and then Reggie Love gets most of the carries after that, but Aiden Lawfrey can be sprinkled in on some some sub-packages. Yeah, I think Caden Fagan's earned it. I've yeah. been kind of on that on that hype train for a little bit. It's, the way he cut in particular, like we know he's a big guy. Like that, if you don't know that, I'm, I'm sorry to break news to you in this way. But the way that he cut, what, what I thought for somebody as large as he is, was telling, he runs hard. How many times did Barry Lunny use fall forward? on Monday like he even if it's fitted up even if it's a you know should go for zero or minus one or two he seems to just there's value in second and eight it's not ideal but there's value in second and eight third and six whatever the case is you know what and it's easier to it's easier to fall forward Joey when your offensive line gives you six yards before you're touched like that's a good thing too yeah that's 100% now is Caden Fagan going to be your home run Chase Brown guy no like that that much is very clear to us but I think Reggie Love can come in there and be a change. Like, this isn't, you know, push Reggie Love off to the side, don't need him anymore. That's not the case. And I don't think anyone at Illinois would tell you that. I just – I think he could be a compliment to Caden Fagan. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that I thought he would – you thought he was going to be the number – say number two, if it's 1B, a more appropriate yeah. probably terminology here, uh, to Josh McCray. I think that's where he's suited. So, if Josh McCray's not there, I think Caden Fagan. And th- those two could be a good duo. Yeah, with Aiden Lawford being your home run guy. I think of like Chase Brown last year had to be in almost every play, right? Like, and, and towards the end of those drives, those ten to twelve play drives they don't needed uh, to score touchdowns last year. I don't think that's the case this year. I think they can be a six, eight, you know, play drive team with their, their more explosiveness. But you'd love to start Caden Fagan on drives, get you in some opportunities for easy third down conversions or second down conversions. Reggie Love comes in mid drive right helps you pass protect a little bit that's when you can take your shots more likely is in that as Jay Lane likes to call it the alumni zone the the 30 to 50 uh is where you like to take those shots um <laughs> but then Caden Fagan comes at the end of the goal like when you get in the red zone right and Caden Fagan is your red zone guy like then you're fresh you're healthy like that, I think that's the ideal for this team and then you mix Aiden Lawfrey in there a little bit uh just to try and get some explosive plays can we get a list next time you talk with Jay of the best Jay Laymanisms? Alumni Zone is one of my favorites. He's he's really good. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I I'm curious still about Reggie Love's health. Uh, he did not travel to Maryland, so we, we have to factor that in. We'll ask Brett Bielema today. I think we'll probably get the more most clear answer the closer to kickoff we get. Um, I'm sure Brett Bielema will give an update today, but you know, we'll see how that ultimately looks. Caden Fagan's impressive. He is a very, very impressive young man. And I think Reggie Love could be a, a really good compliment for a team that needs to run the ball. Like, I don't want to belabor this. I feel like I do it on every podcast. But they need to run the ball because they're not equipped to be in obvious passing situations, whether it's the wide receivers or offensive line, the decision-making at times from their quarterback. They need to be able to be in those manageable situations. Uh, I'm doing research on the fly here, Joey. But the last four games, Caden Fagan – has as i type on my calculator live on a podcast 212 yards on 38 carries that'll that'll do 
That'll do. That'll do. I'm trying to go back. So you said last four games? Last four games. So FAU, three for 28. Purdue, 11 for 85. That was later in the game, so that is some context. Nebraska never could get them going, five for 15. Maryland, close game throughout, 19 for 84. Yeah, so there there was a point in time before Maryland that a lot of those stats came in, I don't want to say garbage time, but decided time. Uh, That was not the case at Maryland. He went out there, and and obviously, right, they, they were kind of forced into that. But I think that's that's telling because there were times where he, you know, his, his game was over and he was able to put up some yardage there and show a little bit. But to do it over the course of a game consistently, uh, that was kind of felt like a moment. I will say FAU, uh, there were some moments. Um, Purdue, end of first half, he had some moments. But, yes, it, it is worth saying that Maryland, it was in the meaningful moments, really meaningful moments all throughout the game. All right, number five. What gives you the most confidence about Illinois against Wisconsin? Mm. I, th- I, th- God, I don't want to say the offensive line. I want to say the way they ran the ball. I, I just, again, like that is so critical to what they want to do. And the way the offensive line moved people, to your point from earlier, Jeremy, the way Caden Fagan ran and fell forward, the potential, you know, uh, Reggie Love returning this week. I think you need to run the ball against Wisconsin and you need to, to make Luke Altmaier not throw into a really, really good secondary on obvious downs and put your line in a bad spot. And I think that's translatable because this program under Brett Bielema has had those. Now, they also had Chase Brown, which I mean, you don't have that this year. But I think that is a really encouraging sign to be able to find some room on the ground at Maryland on the road against the defense, as we talked about going into it, was probably better than advertised. And they were able to go out there and and really balance their offense. For me, I'm going the other sides of the ball. I mean, the defense and special teams are pretty good. The special teams had a terrible game against Nebraska. Cost you. But other than that, Robbie Disher's crew has been pretty good. Um, you know, Caleb Griffin, huge game at Maryland to bounce back after a 4-7 and seven start of field goals. Hugh Robertson outside of the, the blocked one against Nebraska has been really good this year. The return game? is as good as we've seen. I mean, Isaiah Williams is having an all Big Ten season as a punt returner this year. Uh, and then, you know, kick return, he finally got it going a little bit with Canary Wilcher. I mean, Maryland slipped a little bit on those, but he took advantage of it and showed his speed. And I, I just think the defense is going to give you a chance to win. I, I feel like the rest of the season, Aaron Henry is in his comfort zone. I think he knows what he is. I think he's feeling himself a little bit. He's in his bag a little bit with some things. I think he knows what this defense is, and you're seeing – the coaching staff developed these guys. Uh, I, I think we're really starting to see that this coaching staff gets these players better with more experience on the defensive side of the ball. Like Seb McConnell had his best game. Bryce Barnes had his best game last week. So just seeing those guys play a little bit better, I, I think it's the defensive special teams will probably give you a chance to win. On the flip side, Joey, what gives me the least confidence, I still got to see it another week. I, I am not bought in. Question six, what concerns you the most? Can the offense do it two weeks in a row? Can they pass protect and run the ball? Can this offensive line put it together for a second straight game? Because I think Luke Altmeyer should have the quarterback advantage. And we got to see him grow as well, right? We got to see him put a couple good weeks together. But for me, can the offensive line and Barry Lunny and Luke Altmeyer do it again? Can they pass protect and can they run the ball? I want to build on that really quickly. I want to mention special teams real quick because yes. it, it was terrible against Nebraska. Say what, whatever you feel about PFF ratings. I mean, they, they are very, very hit and miss. 
Number one in terms of special teams grade, Miami, Ohio. Two, Oklahoma State. Tied for third, Washington, Texas, Iowa, Illinois, Buffalo. That's good company. PFF grades are not the end-all be-all, right? I, I think we've – Sidney Brown would probably come on this podcast and tell you as much. But that – over the course of a season, like that is – that's pretty good company to be in. It's had one bad game. Special teams had one bad game. That's right. Uh, I, to your point, what concerns me the most, yes. I, I, I'm less concerned about their ability to run. I, I think they went I, – I think they found something there in, the, in terms of what they asked their guys to do in run blocking, in terms of you know maybe not being as much zone, uh, zone run, zone read. But I, pass pro. It's pass pro because, as you mentioned, they're going to they're gonna try to confuse this offensive line. Uh, I think Zy Chrysler played his best game. It, is it as simple as just practicing for a full week? Maybe. I think it's also maybe if you can build a little confidence back in that guy, because I, I would have to imagine there, there are times during those first six games that it kind of felt like everything was going against him, because it was. Uh, but but can they do enough to keep Luke Altmaier? Can Luke Altmaier do enough to let that pass protection hold up? That is, that's what it comes down to for me. And ultimately, can you stop the run? Yeah. Like that's uh, on the defensive side. If you can stop, you're not going to stop Braylon Allen. That's probably not the right wording, even though a year ago in Madison – they, they did, but Phil Longo is an air raid guy, but he does mix in more run than I think a lot of people want to give in with the air raid offense. But with the redshirt freshman quarterback on the road, is this just going to be a Braylon, go make it happen type of game? I think that would be a reasonable thing to think. Uh, but if you can stop that and make a young quarterback in his first road start throw, that's huge. But we we got to see them consistently stop the run. Yeah, you got to make Braylon Lock beat you. You have to. On the road, he's talented. I mean, he's got good pedigree, but he's a redshirt freshman with 55 snaps of experience, 49 last week, against an Iowa defense that is better than Illinois' defense. Um, but you have to make him beat you by containing Braylon Allen. Allen's not going to run for two yards on eight carries like he did last year. That That's probably not going to happen again. He's really good. But I was encouraged last week through most of the game, Joey. Roman Hemby got a couple Roman Hemby was number one and still is number one in the Big Ten in yards after contact. Now, he ended up having 133 yards on 17 touches, got really going in the, in the screen game, had a couple longer runs, but they contained him for the first half or the most of the game uh, through most of the third quarter, uh, then got going a little bit later on in the game, and that, that helped Maryland's comeback. But that would do. If you can just contain him and force Braden Locke to have to convert on third downs, I think this would set up really, really well for Illinois' defense. But Braylon Allen's good. You have to tackle well. Illinois had some missed tackles, some tackling issues here recently. So the good news, I talked to Andy Boo about this. Uh, they are used to tackling some big running backs. Maybe not during the season because you got the scout team, but Jordan Anderson, Caden Fagan, those guys were the fourth and fifth guys. The first team defense was going up against those guys a lot. So they got a little bit of experience going up against them. And, of course, last year the defensive line, the guys who played, uh, had experience with Braylon Allen and some of these other guys. But, yeah, it's it's forcing Braylon Allen into two, three-yard carries and not letting him get those six, seven, eight yards and obviously not letting him get too loose. He can he can bust them off for like 20 to 40 yards. Not a guy you hope can, can take you a long time. But, um, yeah, yeah. Force Braden Locke to beat you. That is the key. That's the key. And someone's wondering, and I am too, and I'll ask Brett Bielma about this here in about an hour. Their Jim Leonard effect, like it's a different coaching staff, but he knows a lot of this personnel yeah. uh, very well. And I'm wondering what his role in particular has been this week in, in terms of 
not schemes. Like these coaches are smart enough. The, the, everyone who has film on are smart enough to, to look and see a scheme, right? But just in personnel in terms of what, you know, guys are comfortable with, what they're not comfortable with. I, I wonder if he's got a bigger impact. Yep. Not a bigger role, but a bigger impact this week, just given how very, very, very familiar he is with these guys. Yeah, just like Ryan Walters and, and those guys had for Purdue against Illinois. Like, I think that plays a role. All right, picks to click, Joey. Offense, last week I took Isaiah Adams. You took Tip Ryman. I think I get the edge there. So who are you going with your offensive pick to click against Wisconsin? Some real home cooking on your grading there. I Isaiah, I wanted to mention the, the tackles. Were Isaiah really, Adams is good. The tackles were really good last week. Uh I'm going to keep the Pat Bryant train rolling a little bit here. He's got two long touchdowns in the last two weeks, which I think is really even more telling after just a brutal drop at Purdue. Like, that's a drop that can really – that could go south, right, if you let that thing fester and it didn't. And he's had two long long pass plays. I think Luke Altmaier trusts him in those roles. I don't know what this looks like in terms of me winning, which even if you're counting, I'm not going to win. Uh, but I'm going to take Pat Bryant. Isaiah Adams over Tip Ryman? That's some controversy. I mean, Tip Ryman did have a pretty good game, actually, as a blocker. So I'll, I'll give you a close one there, but I thought Isaiah Adams was a little bit better. Um, I want I want to do the Casey Washington touchdown. The fact that Barry Lunny mentioned it today, or last on Monday, <laughs> makes me think maybe Casey Washington touchdown happens. I'm going narrative, Joey. Struggled start of the season. Everyone wanted to bench him. All the fan base wanted to bench him. Zy Chrysler. I'm going Zy Chrysler with his best game. He was healthy last week. He was better. And I think Wisconsin's not that big up front. They're just athletic, and they can move. So if Illinois can get the run game going, I think it's in part because Zy Chrysler is really effective on that right side with Isaiah Adams. They, they're they big. I mean, if Hunter Whitenack goes out there again, or even if it's Josh Geske at left guard, Illinois' offensive line is looking huge with those guys. So uh, I do think Illinois can overpower Wisconsin a little bit in the run game as long as they pick up these blitzes uh, and are sound in their fundamentals. So I'll go with Zy Chrysler. I'm going to ask Brad Bielema this. I don't ask you before I get to the stadium today. What do you do if Josh Geske I, – I don't mean to sound like he's been benched, but Hunter Whitenack has played pretty well over the last Sound, two yeah. weeks most times uh, what do you do if josh josh Geske is back and, and available to go how, how do you rotate them i do feel like that's more of a rotation than Geske's probably been involved in this season if it's 75 percent josh Geske, you're probably starting hunter white neck if it's 85 percent josh Geske, then it becomes probably a rotation if Geske's 100 percent, i think Geske's playing uh but i think it's a question whether he's 100 percent. so we'll see um all right, defensive pick to click, Joey. I'll let you go first. Last week oh, I, I had Odaluga. Last week I had Odaluga, and you had Xavier Scott. I think Odaluga with the forced fumble gets that. I'll go first if you want. Young quarterback, inexperienced quarterback. I'm not going the free safety, so you could take it. Taz Nicholson's been really good. A lot of veteran quarterbacks have not tested him. I think a young quarterback might try to test him unwisely. And Taz gets a pick. I think it'd be his first of the year, right? I don't think he's had one yet, but he's been really good in coverage when he doesn't commit penalties. So I'm going to go with Taz Nicholson, who's had a pretty good year when he's not committing penalties. Well, I don't know that I want to go with the free safety spot, to be honest with you. I'm going to go with Nicario Harper. I think in run support, this guy who could come down and really fill up the tackle sheet, as we've seen him do this year. He's been a little more consistent recently jeremy i'm gonna go with harper 
Because like. we can't take Johnny Newton, and, and we're kind of getting to the point that it feels like one of us taking Rosiak. I know. I've, every I've, week, even though I did think of the Wisconsin punch narrative with two guys from the same high school and two guys who know each other well, and Dylan Rosiak and Jake Hansen, just a really good Wisconsin back. I will, let's go. Let's go Harper, even though I almost just talked myself out of it. Yeah, two weeks ago I picked Dylan Rosiak. I thought it was kind of bold. Now I just I, I try to stick away from those. I try to try to make some bold picks with a pick to click. Um, yeah, hard to stay away from those. We're not we're not going with the layups anymore. None of us picked Fagan. None of us. Pat Bryant's a, a little bit better, but even that one is is a little bit more bold than you know what we've been doing. So hey, I like it. I like it. anything else, Joey. Before we get out of here, Reggie Love would have been a more a bold one too if I if I knew what his health was. Uh, but no, I don't. This has suddenly turned into the the narrative. Just quickly to, to recap the big picture of this game, the narrative of this season feels like it's changing. At least the tone around this Illinois football team getting into the bye week, a late bye week, by the way. I mean, eight games in is a late bye week. Mm-hmm. Getting into the bye week at four and four after what those first six games were feels like a a huge win for this program if they're able to pull that off and it pretty much assures you of a bowl game yep um it's just big man this, this turned into a really big game when two weeks ago i thought they might legitimately be two and six going into the bye week and just for a historical perspective here joey illinois has not beaten wisconsin in back-to-back years since 2002 so it has been a while they have not beaten wisconsin three out of five times since 1992 Okay, they they had won a bunch straight when Wisconsin was really bad. There was a time, kids, when Wisconsin football was not very, very good. Uh, but I think that would be huge. And yes, you win this going into a off week, Joey, where you can get healthy and go recruit and maybe get some momentum that way. But then you got Minnesota on the road, Indiana at home, Iowa on the road, Northwestern at home. Like that is those are opportunities for Illinois football to get to a bowl game, right? You like, win this and you got to go two and two against some of the some of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Right. All of a sudden, you'd start feeling like, man, seven wins attainable? Is eight wins attainable? Is, hey, <laughs> sneaky Big Ten West contender? Oh, no, no I, Iowa I was is, winning. Uh, Iowa is not included in some of the worst teams <laughs> in the Big Ten conversation, just to make sure we're very clear Correct. on that. No, I was very good. And so, I was probably going to – trounce to a Big Ten West title here. They got Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska, and four of those are at home? According to ESPN, that doesn't seem right. But man, they they got they got a nice path to a Big Ten West. If we're just gonna if we're gonna play this just to have a little fun as we talk about Iowa, because I ran through a lot of this on the way back from DC when I was crowded in the seat because some guy next to me took up my space. Uh, are Rutgers and Illinois the most losable games on Iowa's remaining schedule? I mean, Minnesota's offense is not very good. So, I mean, Minnesota and yeah, Minnesota, Rutgers, Illinois. I I don't see Northwestern scoring on Iowa. I do not see Nebraska scoring. I mean, Nebraska might score three points in that game. Um, but anybody, that defense is so good. The quarterback play is so bad that they're playing up against. Like, I could see literally Iowa. They got five games left. Do they give up more than 50 points the rest of the year? That's a great question. It's <laughs> a really good There's question. Some bad offenses, not very good teams. And, and man, Phil Parker's so good at what he does. 
Now, I will say really, really quickly, the you mentioned Nebraska and just the way you talk about them has not changed for three years, Jeremy. Um, that has a lot of Rutgers 21 potential as you look back after Thanksgiving and, like, that's the game that really screwed Illinois. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's got that potential uh, to linger and to fester if Illinois, you know, we'll see what happens these next five, but that could be the one that you circled. This is a 5-17 and 17. That's got a lot of Rutgers 21 potential of it. Yeah, I mean, Purdue, the way it happened, the way it got out of hand was ridiculous, but I still think Nebraska was a far worse loss. Far worse. That's a bad Nebraska team. Purdue's not good. They're 2-5. and five. They're the only Big Ten win they have, but um, I think Purdue's a more talented. I think they're uh, just further along in what they're doing, but, man, Nebraska's just not a very good football team. And to lose to them like you did, not even have a chance in that game, was was ridiculous. Um, so now, speaking of that Rutgers game, you know, two years you beat Penn State on the road, you come home and you lose to Rutgers, a bad Rutgers team. Wisconsin's better than that, but can you follow it up? Can you string it together and give yourself a chance at, at a road game? Because there's so many games in 2021 you look back on and say, man, if they just held on and beat Purdue. Man, if they just beat held on and, and beat Maryland. But, man, if they just would have came home and beat Rutgers at home after beating Penn State – you would have been in a bowl game. And, um, you know, Brett Bielma era feels even different, more different, like even better than, than what you've done so far. And it feel more like what Jeff Brom did his first couple years at Purdue. So that's why it's important. Can you sustain week to week? And that's what this game's all about. It's what the season's all about. Yeah, I'm fascinated. This game, the, the tone of, again, the tone of this game has changed so much for me in two weeks. Happy homecoming, everybody, for Joey Wagner. Thank you, buddy. I uh, appreciate the insight. I'll see you on Saturday. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you to Joey Wagner and Nick Osim for their insight for Illinois-Wisconsin. 2.30 homecoming kickoff. It'll air on Fox Sports 1. Big game for Illinois to try and get to 500 before the off week and before a big week of recruiting as the Illini staff hits the road. Speaking of recruiting, I'll have a recruiting lounge breaking down the latest we've heard on Illinois football, some big visitors coming in this weekend, and of course Illinois still shooting for some big targets in the class of 2024. I'll have the latest on that. Derek Piper has the latest on Illinois basketball, including he'll have a preview of the exhibition on Friday night. Piper and I will be there at State Farm Center to cover that one. Still haven't decided if we're going to do a podcast. I think we will. Might be a shorter one because it'll be late with an 8 p.m. start for an exhibition game uh, in Illinois football the next day. So it'll be a busy time for us. But we'll try and squeeze in a, a reaction podcast to that one. So check that out on the YouTube. Subscribe to us. Hit that notifications bell. So if we go live, you will see us there. But appreciate you listening to the Illini Choir podcast. Give us a follow, rating, review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notifications bell. Really appreciate your support there. And, of course, go VIP for all the latest insight on Illinois football, basketball, women's basketball. Joey's got some stories up on them as well. And uh, we got plenty on the VIP side of things. And you can go check out Jay Lehman's film review breakdown. Uh, always love going over the film with Jay Lehman. Everyone have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illinois Choir Podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.